0: Okay, so we're actually doing a, a show sort of kind of on time this week on <laughs> Monday, what's day, October 12th. Yep. So we're trying to, trying to get this down pat a little bit, uh, especially to election night. Um, I don't know what, I mean, we, we're all going to be together on election night. So we may, we may do something on election night, you know, like a live feedback or screams and horror kind of thing, <laughs> uh, depending on what the, what the outcome is. Um, so we'll probably do an election night show. Uh, what's next week? Next couple of weeks are probably be a little slow. We'll probably focus on what Supreme Court next week.
1: Yeah,
0: a little bit. By then
1: they, honestly, we'll probably have already done everything. But they'll definitely have gotten through voting and committee.
0: Right. Right. So. Okay. Well, uh, today's show is going to be dedicated to last week's vice presidential debate. A little more calmer than our uh, presidential one. A little more um, content to, to dissect and unpack. Um, and then after that, uh, today was the first day of hearings for Amy Coney Barrett, uh, the Supreme Court nomination by Trump. Um, she didn't really. There was really. There wasn't any questioning today. It was just an opening statement from her, um, and then some back and forth across the aisle. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit secondary. Um, but yeah, let's jump into it. I guess. Um, so just off the cuff, uh, Logan, I'll let you go first. Uh, quick, just first reactions, VP debate.
2: Um, I don't agree with people who said Kamala won. That'd be my, my tweet. Okay. Jordan?
1: Um, I don't know. It was better than the presidential debate. I think, I don't know. I'd be interested. I wonder if you know why Logan thinks Kamala didn't win.
0: Me too. Okay. The mo- I mean, I think I know, but and and I actually,
2: just for the record, I'm I'm in agree. I'm agreeing with you, Logan, but I don't want to hear justification on this. So I think we were pretty realistic that the debate would be better than like a lot of leftists were predicting or or liberals who who, who might have been saying something like, "Ah, oh, Kamala is a prosecutor. What's Pence going to do?" I mean, we were kind of hyped like that too. I ain't gonna lie, but. Right. Uh, but you know like pence is a very able politician and he showed that Pence is a robot bro yes and, absolutely yeah he's like um, he's like one of those ais that's like just designed yes. to murder on the political
0: stage he's like if gi joe did his 20 years and got out and then ran for office <laughs> like that that's Mike pence. but like you
2: find out he didn't actually have a military record he was just like a radio right. host who hated gay people right but um and then we give him the we give him the presidential medal of
0: freedom just because Jesus. Anyways, back to the point.
2: So, uh, yeah, um, I thought the moment I knew Pence was, like, going to be doing okay was when he, he started framing every time that Kamala attacked the administration's response, he made an attack on administration, like, become an attack on first responders, and I just thought, mm. like, I mean, obviously, it's dirty, it's wrong, but, like, in terms of, I mean, it's politics, man. Yeah, so, like, I'm not really even saying Pence won, though, obviously, the fly won, but...
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, like Cuomo didn't
2: win. You know, I, did, I thought it was a pretty neutral affair.
0: Yeah. So here, here's my kind of take on it. Is I mean, it, I pretty much thought it was a draw. But this has also been
2: debates.
0: Be, debates to me don't really win anybody over in pre and post 2016. I mean, I, I feel like we kind of like in 2016. I feel like we were still between Hillary and Trump. We were still stuck in this mindset that you know there's no way he's gonna win. Hillary's the obvious winner, yada yada yada. But as politics have digressed, you know, over the last couple of years, debates, at least on the presidential or the federal level, they've almost become like sports arenas. You know, what I mean, both fans are already set on which side they're going to do. They go in to make a reference to to the Red River rivalry. They go in the the stadium split, Democrats on one side, Republicans on the other side, and they literally just watch, you know, their candidates, their teams. uh, Know duel it out on national TV. There's really no, I feel like undecided or at least registrable undecided voters that you know will will make their mind up during those. Totally. So I kind of, I, I kind of feel like with that being in mind, that I feel like the way that Kamala did not win was because that nothing really stuck out to me that after it was all said and over, there wasn't really outside of maybe one or two lines there wasn't really too many strong points that she made or burns that she got in that really stuck with me. Um, it kind of just felt like ping pong, you know, the whole time, which, I mean, to a certain extent that can, that's pretty much what a boring political debate is. It's just deflection and, and back to the other person blame the other person. Um, but that's why I kind of felt like she didn't win on my end is because it, it kind of just felt bland. I think she had a good performance. I think Pence had a prototypical Republican performance Um, You know, I definitely picked up that Kamala was, you know, trying to appeal appeal to the emotional side of people a lot more, Um, you know, appeal to emotions that definitely made a hard pitch for anybody that's had a family member affected by COVID or has definitely passed by COVID. They definitely appealed to that. They tried to make an appeal for the military, you know, by saying that, you know, Trump's called them suckers and losers. I just don't know how much at this point, how much they can combat military culture to be pro-Republican. I feel like that's something that's really ingrained and entrenched in the military. Um you know, in in the military is well majority white. So to, to have, you know, a good chunk of that really flip off of the Republican side, I think is is a hard stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that nothing really stuck with me outside of her. Well, kind of wish she didn't smile as much. I can't really take her too serious when she gets that big smile yeah. and shaking her head. I had up, that in my that notes question. too. Yeah, that's that's just a it's a little immature for me. I'm not it has nothing to do with her being a woman, anything like that. It's more about composure and her legitimacy on the stage. Kind of just seems a little unprofessional, but to me, it was just an ultimate draw. Obviously a lot better than the first one got a little bit more as far as platform information, not at least from her side. I don't think Trump really had, or uh, Pence really had much, um, but yeah, to me, just kind of a draw.
1: I would disagree a little bit. I'm not going to say that she was a, like, it was a resounding win for the Biden team, but I do think she did significantly better than Pence, particularly on coronavirus. Um, any, I mean, uh you guys made this point of, you know, anytime she tried to, you know, criticize the Trump administration, particularly Pence, he'd always throw it back to, well, the American people, like, they've done a lot, da-da-da-da. But I think that people are, like, I don't know. I think people aren't that dumb to be, like, oh, she's criticized. You know, like, I think that was very – it was very clear what he was trying to do, and I think people recognize that. um, That, like, this isn't just, like, a, your standard political issue that you really can punt on, and the Trump administration doesn't have anything, like – they don't have anything, I like to stand on when it comes to coronavirus. So, I think she's... So and
0: people- by people, by people, are you meaning, like, undecided voters?
1: Voters, they yeah. They
0: picked up on that?
1: Yeah, okay. I think so. Because, I mean, you can't say, like, for her to be like, yeah, the Trump administration really bogged like, you know, did a terrible job. And then for them to be like, well, the American people have done a lot. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> right. yeah, they have. You're just appealing you to the base. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that appeals to, you know, people that don't want to wear a mask, but to, like, regular Americans, most of who have at least taken this semi-seriously, I think that kind of is a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, I don't know. I think Pence also punted on, I mean, they both punted on big questions, um, but I think Pence punted on like every question yeah. <laughs> um, and I, that's noticeable. And I think it's particularly noticeable when we look at the, the Biden-Trump debate where like they just couldn't even answer a question. And so now people were really, like, hyper-focused on questions and answers, I think, more so than in other debates. And so it was just blatantly obvious that they were that he was punting.
0: Just not necessarily a bad thing.
1: That people noticed?
0: Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. But and I think, his was,
0: like, not even close. I mean, he would just literally just start saying a completely different statement.
1: Exactly. And so I think, I mean, that was good for if you're, you know, not on the Trump camp, but it, I think. You know that's another reason the thing that stood out to me is like it was even more obvious that he was punting on questions than in you know maybe a president uh, the any debates pre 2016. Um, I don't know, I think the face things like you know Kamala's faces that she's making her laughing, I mean, it's to appeal. I think it's uh, but Kamala, she's into the you know meme culture and all of that, and I think that's what she was trying to appeal into. And I mean, to a certain extent, she did, right? How many. Memes and stuff. Have you seen of her her from the debate? Um, I think that was part of it. uh, Just to appeal more to younger people. Because I mean. I think our generation is also more like. We don't. Professionalism isn't. I'm not going to say it's not important. But like. We. I think we. Not as important. Well, And we find. You know. Being genuine more important. Like. If someone's being a dipshit on live tv then like you should maybe respond to, like they're being a dipshit on live TV. Right, right. <laughs> and so i think that was her you know trying to appeal more to younger people and you know just trying to be you know more genuine um and also to play with biden because biden did the same thing um i think the i will say the reason i think she didn't come out as strong like you know a prosec- prosecutor harris is because that she didn't want a strong dichotomy between her and biden like she can't be stronger than biden you know if that makes sense like she can't do a significantly phenomenal performance and outshine you know her campaign partner
0: that's such a challenge when you think about it. it is
1: i think it is hard for her particularly because again there's this hyper focus on her because she's a woman and black and south asian you know like people are particularly paying attention to what she's doing so i think the reason why she didn't like come out swinging was because you know she can't look yeah she can't upstage biden so she has to like walk that line so that's why i think she did it i think she was you know she definitely could have and i feel like if this was if she was on the presidential ticket she would have um and that's but i I don't know my overall like it's a vice presidential debate is it you know convincing anyone of anything probably not um but i do think she won but i don't think it was like a landslide or anything
2: right can i can, so, I, can i roast yeah, pence good. for a second because i want to be like i don't yes. want it to sound like i thought he did good um <laughs> so first off like pence is a fucking snake like um answering Absolutely. every question with uh first i'd like to use some of my time to answer the previous question like okay anyone who for our listeners who who aren't as interested in debates or obsess over these things unhelpfully like we do uh that that is pure avoidance he he does not care about the yeah. previous question It's that he had time to think about a better response while Kamala was answering, and then he wants to stall so he can do it again and again and again. Second off, the one thing this guy, like most fundamentalist Christian conservatives cares about, is abortion. Kamala swerving on the abortion question, okay. Like, I don't like it personally, but I understand it politically. It's a hot-button issue. Pence, this is his one thing. Obama never swerved Mm -hmm. on health care, right? Trump never swerved on the wall. Pence should not be swerving on abortion. And the fact he's let himself be put on a leash uh, by by Trump to the degree that he can't stand up for the one thing he cares about. I mean, the man has absolutely no heart. And if you're a Christian conservative listening to this, like, I hope you understand that they don't care about abortion. They're using you for your votes. We've talked about this on previous episodes. Mm -hmm. And Pence's hypocrisy, the guy who's supposed to be the one person who's up there fighting for you he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit.
1: So here, yeah. that's a, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Logan. Why Why would Pence dodge that issue? Like, I to me, it just makes, I was just floored because obviously the base wants is, you know, pro-life or, you know, anti-abortion. And mm. obviously that's what they're doing. Trump, the whole point was that Trump is, you know, appointing someone who is against abortion. I just didn't understand. I mean, like, and also Pence's background, like, I couldn't, find like why even punt it to begin with like, when it's so clear that like what the administration is doing i
2: think pence is supposed to be the serious one like like for instance um that's why i didn't like kamala like doing the laughing thing at him just because like i feel like i feel like pence is supposed to be the one that moderates can look at and go like oh yeah there's that like responsible bushite we like in the in the white house and so like you're if he's supposed to be mr moderate you know it's it's just crazy he'd give up his own one wish in all the, the, the political world to, to be that guy for Trump. Yeah. Um, the whole Roe v.
0: Wade thing is like getting really exhausting at this point to where like, I'm almost at like, so, so there, here's the good and the bad of it. I was going to say like, I'm almost at the point now where I'm like, fuck it, overturn it. Like, I don't care. Let it go to the States. The States will do whatever they want to do. Basically, you'll be able to have to drive across the border to get an abortion, which I mean, that, that sucks. I don't, I don't want that for any woman. Um, but I mean, that's again, this minority control. Um, but like the whole thing about it, man, is like, there's so much hypocrisy, like on that side of the aisle and like in almost every argument they have that, like you, I mean, what they tie it to is like, you, you're caring for a life. That's your justification for wanting, you know, to have a baby like full term and, and bring this child into the world. But at the same time, like you won't wear a mask to protect people around you. So do you, do you care about life or do you not care about life? And then at the same time, like you'll force these women to have children, but you'll gut education and social programs and minority communities, and you'll, you'll raise mandatory minimums and you'll introduce crack into the communities and shit like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, why is it when it's in the womb, you give a shit about it. But then as soon as it's not in the womb, you know, then it's just like a part, it's just a gear in the capitalist system, man. And is exposable, like this whole argument has driven me insane for like the longest time. Like outside of whether it, it should be a woman's decision, what happens with her body, just the whole justification for any argument against it is just so hypocritical and unreal that we're even still having this conversation. And then when you look at the polls of it, what is it like? Sixty to seventy percent of America could not give a shit less. Like, let them do it. I don't. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, most people don't even know finding out that like somebody there they know or are in touch with has had one until like later in life. And then, if you look at these videos of these women that go and get one and they're being like bashed outside of the clinics because you're allowed to have like protesters from friggin' what's the name of the radical ass church out there? The Westboro
1: Baptist Church.
0: Yeah, like you're out there like saying they're gonna burn in hell and shit like that. And this woman's already going through a traumatic experience. You know, it's like you got morons that are running for government that are saying shit like, oh, that if it happened in a legitimate rape. The woman's body has a way mm-hmm. to discard the seed. Have you fucking lost your mind? This is 2020 and we're having this is a legitimate argument for somebody that's running for a public office. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to get off topic here, man, but like this, the whole and, and it's because you know this is like the flag bearer for that side right now and going into this election. But just to kind of bring to bring this full circle the per, the point I was trying to make. I like. I'm at the point now where, like I said, I don't give a shit if they overturn or not. It pisses me off that it will technically no longer be considered a constitutional right for a woman to have one, and that brings its own complexities. But we kind of hit had this topic on last show that I kind of asked, well, what do you think they move to after they overturn this? Because this is their holy grail. You know, what do you move to next? And I heard an interesting piece today on a podcast that I was listening to that said, "There's this is very dangerous territory because number one, they can get Roe overturned." So now they don't have a constitutional right. But then once Rose off the table, then now we're back to to zero. You can do whatever you want to with abortion up to, and including putting criminal laws on it. So now there was real discussions happening down in Georgia and Alabama about how miscarriages would be investigated. Again, are we fucking kidding me? Like this, this whole argument, man, like I wish like, And I feel like the nation for the most part is behind it. Not to necessarily say that everybody that goes votes is behind a woman's right to choose. But like this this issue is so grounded in morality and what's right for a for a human being, for somebody's soul, for somebody's mental well-being, that I don't even know how we're still having this discussion. It's he's been so manipulated to have religious meanings or this and that like i feel like people don't even really touch it that anymore like while well, you're pro-life because god says you need to have a baby like i feel like I'm outside of an evangelical i really don't even hear that point being made anymore so it's like what again like it's just become we become so focused on this is a flag-bearing issue for the person i pull for or the party i pull for you were calling him like a snake and he's just you know what i mean like following and it's because the issue's <laughs> not even real dude the issue's <laughs> not real like, it's, it's real for people in Utah and people in the deep South
2: that are going to Baptist church. We'll cut but the But not part the out politicians so who right. are using them for their votes.
0: Exactly, dude. Like, nobody gives a shit about this issue. It's nothing but, again, it's an emotional reaction. It's no different than Fox News showing you a clip of 10 people in Washington, D.C. that heckled white people eating outside about Black Lives Matter. They do these things to get a reaction out of you. They want you to react, because when you react, that makes you go do things, and they have entire fucking systems that are in place to guess what things you will do if they try. And it's you good to call days. it out
2: because like for years, getting them to do things meant getting them to vote. Now it's like they're shooting, they're shooting It's a whole different up. fucking ball game. They're killing people. Right. Like this is not, this, the, the rhetoric has real consequences. And like, I think everyone's realized by now COVID reveals things that we didn't know about ourselves before. And like the littlest thing that puts people on edge We'll send them fucking into the streets and when you're telling people that they're out yes. here stealing your rights that they're killing babies you know protesting outside an abortion clinic telling people they're going to hell like that's awful that's inhumane no one should do that but we're i mean we're gonna see a new era of bombings which we've already had but we're gonna see again yeah. we're gonna see more murders because these people are irresponsible with their words and and they're snakes they're snakes they're using it to get power and to keep you from having it like you said, you're not just encouraging them to go vote anymore.
0: You're encouraging like an 18-year-old kid to go to Kenosha, Wisconsin with a mm. assault rifle because he feels like he has to protect businesses. That's the kind of shit you do. That's what I'm talking I about. Mean, this kind of, again, goes into our old point of fear-mongering. Like the way that I'm seeing it from that side is like, this is the same shit the Nazis did in the 30s, dude, building up to this. Oh, the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. The Jews are coming to get your money. The Jews are coming to get your job. The Jews are what got us in the first war. I'm telling you, bro, fear-mongering leads to dehumanization. Dehumanization leads to genocide. Hmm. And I'm not saying, like, we're going to have an American genocide on our hands, but I'm saying, like, the key point there is the middle point. When you dehumanize somebody, everything is on the table because they no longer have rights. They're no longer an equal. They no longer, like we were talking about earlier, they no longer get to be a part of the societal contract. They're not part of society. They're not human. And the repercussions of that are, are history-shaking but I mean, history repeats itself because everybody forgets. <laughs> Happy yeah, Indigenous so. Peoples Day. Fuck Christopher Columbus.
1: Ugh. Jordan, <laughs> anything to add? <laughs> um, I think we, I mean you were right. We could just have a whole episode about abortion.
0: Yeah, we didn't mean to make this about. Oh. abortion. No, so, but I mean that, that, that is kind of shows you how flawed. It's how it's how flawed. It's it's just how flawed. That's why he deflected. That's what that whole rant was about. That's why he deflected because it's not a real issue.
1: Well, I think. I mean, it's okay. Okay. So I think abortion became. Okay, wait, no, let's rewind even a little bit more. Okay. The Warren court, (laughs) the Warren court and the liberalness of the Warren court. And, you know, there was a huge conservative backlash to the Warren court, Um, not just on Roe v. Wade, but uh, the Warren court passed was just, is the most liberal court in Supreme court history. So we get, you know, desegregation, we get, um, a bunch of new protections in criminal justice. Uh, we get a bunch of different stuff, and even even subsequent, like you know, after Chief Justice Warren steps down, we still get you know more liberal um, liberal rulings from the court. We get justices that are appointed by conservative by conservative presidents that turn out to be not as conservative, um, like uh, Justice Kennedy, who was appointed by Reagan. Um, who who you know inf- infamously was a swing vote and is the sole reason, well, not the sole reason, a big reason why we have you know gay rights in the right to marriage, um, is because of Justice Kennedy. Um, we get Justice O'Connor, who again was appointed by Reagan, but you know gives a lot of not not a lot, but she does prove to be a swing justice. She upholds affirmative action. Um, she upholds Roe in Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is the follow-up to Roe. I mean, it kind of curtails abortion rights a little bit, but essentially still still decides to hold up Roe. I mean, if they really wanted to, they could have gotten rid of Roe with Planned Parenthood versus Casey, but they didn't, and that was in 92, 93, something like that. So what we're seeing, I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, obviously to regular people it's about abortion, but to politicians, it's a backlash to this liberal court that we saw emerging in you know the mid to late 1900s and so and this disappointment in the fact that they were appointing justices that weren't you know upholding their side or you know staying and supporting their side and now they they see that as you know they want to get away from that they want to appoint justices that they know exactly how they're going to rule and we don't have to worry about you know them changing once they get on the court um and i think what that shows i mean them changing once they get on the court, quote, changing, I think that just shows, like, I don't know, maybe the laws that you're trying to push for are maybe not constitutional. But so, like, you're just trying to shape the Constitution to what you want it to mean and shape the Constitution to keep, you know, subjugating a group of people. But this is all, ultimately, like, why is Mitch McConnell care about this? It's not about because of abortion. It's because he wants to solidify that the federal court system stays conservative Mm -hmm. and that you're appointing justices that aren't going to, you know, swap sides in quotations, swap sides, like O'Connor, like Kennedy, you you want judges that you know 100% will keep you know these very conservative values, even if it goes against the, what the majority of the American people want. And why are they doing that? Because they can. Because does the average person know anything about the federal court system? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and honestly, does the average person care about the Supreme Court? No, they don't. Because um, you know, only the Supreme Court hears 100 cases a year and you probably will only hear about two or three of them in any given year. So, you know, that's just my thing. Yeah. Like abortion is abortion. Here. is just The the thing that they get their supporters to cling on to so that they'll keep voting.
0: So they can take over so, the yeah, judicial. So that they
1: can keep getting, you know, more support for their judges, but that's none of these politicians care about abortion. They care about solidifying a conservative court Power. and making sure that we don't have a liberal court or a liberal court system like we did, you know, from Brown v. Board of Education through, I mean, arguably today, I mean, well, probably prior to the retirement of Justice Kennedy.
0: Here's I'm going to ask you a question, and so everybody on the record can know this. I'm asking a lawyer a question about the judicial system. When it was created, or even now, is the judicial system supposed to be partisan?
1: No. Oh, Okay, so... If we think into the Federalist Papers, when Alexander Hamilton wrote the Federalist Papers for the Supreme Court, um, essentially the whole point was that the court was supposed to be insulated from the political process. That's why judges serve life tenure. That's why, you know, they're appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate. Um, All of, you know, they don't get, their salary can't be reduced once they're in office. Like, this whole process was to insulate um, judges in the Supreme Court from the political process because they're supposed to be making purely Uh, they're supposed to be making decisions based on constitutional law. Um, The argument is that they would, you know, we want judges to, you know, do judgment over will, like instead of exerting their own will, that they'll be you know, simply judging what the constitution says. Um, In Marbury versus Madison, that's when we get, you know, judicial review, which is essentially the bulk of a a good chunk of what the court does now when they review a law and see if it's constitutional that, you know, that comes from a, a Supreme court case much after the constitution is written. So that's Hamilton's argument, that they're supposed to be insulated, but I think realistically that was never going to happen. Like, how can, like, I think the Founding Fathers greatly underestimated um, what people will do to stay in power and to keep their own in power. I mean, and we mm-hmm. saw it immediately. They passed the Constitution and then by the end of um, essentially George Washington's first term, we have, two, we have the Federalists and we have the Democratic Republicans. By the end of Thomas Jefferson's uh, Ten years president, ninety percent of uh, you know people in the House, people in Congress identified as either a federalist or as a democratic Republican. So I think I mean, technically, was it envisioned to be political? No. There is no way. There is absolutely no way that it is not. And that's just like a fact of life. The, I mean, one way that they can try to overcome that is through this idea of precedent, like you know, when Justice O'Connor up, essentially upheld. Roe v. Wade in the 90s and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, like her justification for that is precedent, and this idea of precedent kind of helps or provides at least the justices a way to kind of, you know, brush their hands off and not get into it. Um, But that doesn't—I mean, precedent only matters if they care about it, (laughs) if they care to make it matter. So I I mean, that's the thing. Like, no, technically, no, they are not supposed to be political, but there is absolutely no way or world in which they could not be.
2: Yeah, I just add to Jordan. I mean, not to take too much away from Alexander Hamilton. I mean, it was like the rationalist enlightenment period. Like they actually believed that individual humans could could have like objective viewpoints. That's just not that's just not the worldview that we have now, especially post Holocaust. Um, I think uh, to understand the difference in our worldview now, you just have to appreciate the idea of like living your truth. Like that would have been a very stupid and incomprehensible idea back then. I mean, we, we view everything mm-hmm. not only through the lens of individuals, but we also view everything uh, through the lens of power more much more often than they would have back then. So it's, a, it's an entire worldview shift. Like we could say they were either being idealists or we could say that they were just living out the, the moment they were in just as we are now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I will say I don't think like all judges are actively thinking and actively being partisan when they make decisions. I don't. I don't think that like, there are judges like Chief Justice Roberts is very cognizant with the court and what the court looks like and the way that the court is perceived. And there have been other justices in history that, you know, really care about how the court is perceived. And they make decisions based on that, not necessarily. So they make decisions maybe against their own views just to, to even give the illusion that the court is not partisan. A good example of this is during FDR's term, and he's trying to pass all these new deal policies and the Supreme Court. Um, This is in the Lochner area. That's what it's called. But the Supreme Court keeps knocking down all of these policies. I might have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And FDR says, well, you know, he starts supporting this idea of court packing, adding, you know, a mandatory retirement age to the court, um, adding more seats to the court. And um, one of the justices, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, But there was a justice, one of the justices on the court who had been one of the ones, you know, striking his, all those uh, new deal laws down, Um, just switched and totally changed his tune and started siding with the other side because all these decisions were coming 5-4, 5-4, 5-4. So this one judge switched sides and that prevented the court from getting more seats from a mandatory retirement age. Um, And he essentially saved the structure of the court and that's why we have the same structure of the court as we did then as we do now because he single-handedly saved the court.
2: Okay, Um, you did tell that story before. And when you told it, you said you weren't in favor of court packing. I want to ask, given what has evolved in the past three weeks in this country, has your position evolved at all?
1: I think, I mean, if it's a tactic to get maybe some of the judges to act a certain way, that is fine. But I am against court packing. (laughs) Like, I'm still against court packing because I think once, especially in today's political climate, especially because... Our, our parties, precedent. especially because our part, you know, parties and power switch very frequently. It's not like the Dems are going to be in. Even if the Dems sweep 2020, they're not going to be in office. I mean, 2024, it could be, look completely different. If you start this idea, this precedent of court packing, there's nothing stopping the Republicans from coming into office and doing the exact same thing and flip and we just go into this. Isn't that what we deserve?
2: Concept. Like this totally absurd Supreme Court with like a thousand people and they just add five more like isn't mm-hmm. that what we <laughs> i feel like that's
0: what we're asking for the people are making jokes about the house of representatives gonna look like <laughs> the galactic <laughs> empire in star wars just like this people forever are, chamber just, are keeps going up
1: i just think it i just think it sets a very <laughs> bad precedent like honestly i'm surprised that the republicans haven't done it i'm surprised they haven't court-packed
0: they will now but if, democrats have brought it if, uh,
1: if the democrats do it 100 percent, it'll happen and it'll just keep happening it will keep shrinking and growing the core and like what good is that like okay the thing about well and the thing about Christ it is yes me? we hear we only hear about three or four cases that the supreme court decides in any given year because of the big ones right daca um affordable care act you know gay rights you know there are only a few cases that we hear but they also hear a lot of other cases that you know are very important to the structure of our country and you know about half the cases they hear they rule on unanimously and you know if we just keep Switching, you know, I just think it like destroys the entire federal court system, and uh, I am not a fan of court pack I am into uh like tenure giving, you know, term limits, term times on uh justices. Like, I think we should look into that. Um, I've seen one where we essentially would do every eighteen years. Um, that was how long their tenure would last, and it would work out that at some eventually each president is appointing two justices um, if they were to serve eight years. And I think that fits. That makes sense. But I don't think court packing is a good idea. And I think it sets a really bad precedent, particularly given our political climate.
0: So I want to go back to a statement you said about when when you were kind of talking about all that. Use it as a segue in, into our next topic, which is the uh, nomination process, uh, with Amy Coney Barrett. So, you said that you don't think that judges inherently think partisan first; that they do try to uh, think think for themselves uh, you think, of however, they dissect the Constitution and, and put it back together to make their decisions. Um, so that kind of gives us an interesting look. Or I, I'd kind of be interested to hear your answer on what's your opinion of. So Kavanaugh was a very contentious one. And now it looks like Barrett is going to be another contentious one. When these individuals actually go on the bench, which it's, for so much it was, it's really been Kavanaugh, what do you think actually goes like through Kavanaugh's head? I mean, like when you're on the bench, then it's like final. You're like, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm good. I can do whatever I want, basically. But do you think it like ever crosses his mind that he's thinking like Republican first? Or do you think – because it I mean, it's also something that's had like an illustrious career, you know, federal – federal level all the way down to the beginning of his career, you know, do you think like he inherently really does think sell first or do you think he sits on the bench as like, you know, you know I align with the Republican party and the same question for Barrett as well. If you want to kind of, yeah, the I think,
1: course? um, I mean, obviously there are decisions that judges make that I think are pre- partisan or to ta- tailored to their own beliefs, maybe not partisan, but they're trying to get a specific outcome that does happen. But I think there are also cases where they, are concerned about the legitimacy of the court and particularly the legitimacy of their own reputations. So yeah, I mean, there can be decisions where Kavanaugh is, you know, looking and he could, he's deciding on which way he wants to go. And like, while his political beliefs or religious beliefs might lean him one way, he might be also hyper thinking, like thinking about his reputation, how he'll be perceived, you know, those kinds of things that push him in a different direction. I think chief justice Roberts goes through this frequently um, so, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think that they think about it, um, uh, but obviously not all, I mean, not always. Cause we do get, you know, surprise, you know, court ruling. you know, we get, uh, Roberts upholding DACA and we get Roberts upholding the Affordable Care Act and we get Kavanaugh authoring the decision about, uh, Curtis Flowers, who was tried six times for the one crime and a bunch of racism and stuff in his his trial and, you know, Kavanaugh ruling for him, right? And that's not something that I would, I would think most people would say Kavanaugh would go for. So I think it plays into mm-hmm. it, but I think it also cuts the other way sometimes. Sometimes will prevent them from making the decision maybe they want to. I mean, I think a lot of factors go into it too. Like, I mean, Roberts is just the easiest example because right now the court's 4-4 you know, four, four, and then he's there. So he kind of, if he's the one most concerned about the court, which he is because he's chief justice, then he that plays into his decision making. I think that changes when uh, we get a Justice Barrett because then it's the you know the shift of the court is more to the right. And then he maybe will give decisions based more on what he believes than what the court looks like. I mean, I think Justice Barrett, she, I mean, her whole political ideology is has been formed by Justice Scalia, her time clerking for uh, Scalia, and it really has fed into how she views the law. Like, I don't think she's, I wouldn't say, and I would say any any of the justices on the court that are against abortion, I don't, I mean, I think they do fundamentally think it might be an issue, but they also are looking at the constitution and saying, because of course, all these people that are against abortions are also people that would call themselves textualists or originalists, and they're going to look at the constitution and say, well, it's not in there, right? Regardless how, that's how they justify it, you know, regardless how I feel about it, it's not in the constitution, so, I mean, I don't know Your, their beliefs obviously have shaped their viewpoint, shaped how they see the world and, you know, how things affect different groups that's all based on just their own upbringings. But are, they always justify, I mean, they, I mean, obviously they have to justify it in law, but I mean, I think that's what they point to. Like when it comes to abortion they're going to look at the constitution and they're going to say, well, it's not in there and it will really come down to, do they take the jump? to overturn precedent like that's that's not something that the court does lightly in any cases um so i think if there's anything gonna save us it's precedent and it's about how how important to the court is precedent because they are also all cognizant of how people view the court and they know that you know a case like roe um you know overturning it is going to cause a lot more of an uproar than just upholding it and calling it based on precedent
0: um, Logan, you got anything to uh, specifically talk about with? No, it was pretty, uh,
2: today. It was pretty boring, pretty straightforward. Honestly, seemed, uh, the one thing I'll say is Lindsey Graham's chairing the committee. Dude's looking old. Dude's looking rough. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, he is. He, um, last I checked, man, his poll's pretty close. Yeah, he looks in, like he, uh, uh,
2: he might have gotten COVID. He's looking bad. Uh, John McCain well, would be so uh, Didn't
1: Graham not get tested, or he's oh. like not? Didn't
0: he? Yeah, he refused to take a to uh, go on the debate stage before he mm-hmm. would go on the debate stage. That's why uh old boy <laughs> had to put the plexiglass up around him.
1: Well Senator Lee's there too.
0: So yeah. Um,
1: Senator Lee.
0: Yeah, Lee's over here, he's he was just sick like last week and he got no mask on, just talking full speed. Just,
2: I wonder if they're trying to uh, kill her. Around. Like they don't actually want her to be justice. Like they brought her to the Rose Garden, everyone was sick, they brought her to the <laughs> QAnon. It's a deep state. It's a, yeah. deep state. it's a deep
0: state conspiracy to 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 kill Trump's pick, all because the the global QAnon child molestation Something about. Uh, well, I feel like they're they're pro life because they want the children to be born so they can then traffic them to their rich. Mm-hmm. QAnon's QAnon, actually QAnon, liberal. Who would have known?
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Damn. I've been kind of playing with this idea for a little bit. So I'm wondering, you know, you're, you're seeing more like Trump signs than I really saw like in 2016, like this year. You know, people that are like at this sign and the yard and shit and also work in the South. So I'm around it, like the deep South. But I'm wondering if like 2020 Republicans aren't getting a little bit of 2016 Democratic, Demo- <laughs> Demo- Democratitis, whereas like they're like, oh yeah, we got this in the bag, man. And they're out here, like, you know, waving their flags and got their signs in the front yard. And then this motherfucker loses. And they, I think there's, okay, it. I think there's
1: no way that Republican politicians feel that way. <laughs> I think maybe regular voters might feel that way. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, they're scared but shitless.
1: I, I don't think the politicians, you know, they know, they know <laughs> it's coming. That's why they're rushing through this Supreme right. Court thing.
0: But I'm like, what does, what does Billy, smith that works in fucking linden north carolina with his big ass trump flag on the yard what does he fucking do he um has already done the
2: psychological preparation to accept that the democrats stole the election he might join a protest he might not correct Uh, is not
0: even a protest
2: bro this is going to be like yeah the the psychological state of the trump supporter right now is very different than what it'll be after election night
1: Trump, let, okay, let's paint a picture. Trump loses the election, Biden is declared the winner. Trump does what Trump does and says it was stolen. You know, doesn't concede. What do Republicans do?
2: I think you have to define. You have to define Trump. Trump or Biden wins, like because that could take weeks, or it could even take up to like a few days before the nomination. So like, it means that for months we're dragging this out. There's protests in the street. There's
1: I don't even think it goes. I don't think it goes months.
0: I was thinking. You think even two weeks? optimistic? All right, We'll do some betting on it. What's
2: making you think
0: it's weeks? The courts.
2: The courts. I mean, you you just have to look at uh, how many Uh, lawyers have been hired. Look at 2,000. I mean, I think one thing that's really interesting this time is that the Democrats have already hired over 200 lawyers. And they're already suing to get the rules straight. Like is smart because they know how this mm-hmm. is going to go. The other right. thing is counting the ballots. Like if you look at the um, that little New York primary election that they had, I mean that took like a week. That <laughs> took a week for one, one or two like little little primaries in New York because of COVID, uh, because of the mail-ins. Uh, well, I don't know, but it Just, only
1: but it only matters for certain states, right? Unless you sue.
2: Unless you sue and say it does matter.
1: But they won't, it won't, but even suing, they, and then they sue 50, states. you know, like, it's not just going to be one lawsuit. It's going to be, sure. it, but like, but the thing is, I mean, they can, what, let's, what California, they're not going to sue California. I mean, it's very obvious that Biden's going to win California. So it's going to be the, and, and the other thing is, it matters, if, you know, where we're we at, we're at, maybe by the end of election week, was the electoral vote count? If it's a close race, that's one thing, but if it's not close at all, then we're in a different world. And it, I think it only matters. Like the only states that are gonna be like have to do recounts are gonna be swing states, maybe, and then maybe some states that go blue for the first time in you know decades. I just don't think it. I think there will be lawsuits. I don't think it comes down. Is I don't. I don't see us with a Bush v. Gore situation in that it comes down literally to one state and a recount. The other thing is a recount only happens if if it's close. Like they're not gonna just make everyone recount like it has to be within 1% or 2% so
0: so Nevada is mail only so well, that's, that's a top three swing well, state that's going to be delayed
1: well the other thing it matters sta- only five. some states yeah, there's what five, five states that won't open they won't even open mail-in ballots until voting day so uh,
2: was
1: there five, five. I, I don't know like which three. ones there but so, yeah, that's right. so I think we've got right. other states right. who are mail-in voting, but we have been counting in, in theory, at least before election day. I just think it comes out I think there's a lot of things. That, I mean, yeah. do I think, that, do I think there's a lawsuit? Yes, a lot of variables. But do I think it's a lot of different ones? No. Cause I think it has to be the, the state, it has to be a state of significance. So it's gotta be a state where there's a chance Trump wins anyway. It has to be a close, you know, like it can't be, if Biden wins North Carolina by, you know, a bunch of votes, then there's no, you know, they're not gonna recount North Carolina. Like, it doesn't make sense. So.
0: And you don't think he, like, even though it was a
2: blowout, mm-hmm. you don't think he's still serious to to say fraud there? I mean, the thing is he can, but
1: if it's a blowout, if it's very obvious, that doesn't go to the situation. I hope you're right. You know, like I is- hope
2: you're right, Jordan. The one thing that has me particularly concerned is that David Axelrod, and I think it was like 20 other of Obama's top uh, colleagues, did a 48-hour war game simulation of what could happen with the election, uh, just preparing for all the lawsuits. And most of their scenarios focused on uh, a month, month-and-a-half-long fight. So the fact that like high-up people in politics are thinking about it has me concerned. But, I, I mean, obviously we don't know the future, and, and I hope you're right, Jordan. I do. Obviously,
0: obviously the clearest path forward is that the win is like insurmountable, right. right? It's like huge wave, nowhere near close. But I feel like that's also... No. The man's not going to go quietly. It doesn't matter if how bad you beat him. So it's like how much untruthful bullshit can he spew? How many lies can be made up? And like from Facebook to local communities to the church pews to everything about there was ballot stuffed in a trash can. This person was yada, 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 yada that we could even make a blowout into this contentious thing. And then people forget that even after the election, there's still like mm-hmm. two and a half months that this motherfucker's president. I think, that's
1: why I asked, like, what do you think Republican politicians do? Like, what do they, like, what does a, a Senator Lindsey Graham say when Trump doesn't concede the election? What? Right. Yeah, so it's going to come out of the more, party. What I'm more interested in is what does the party do? Right, because now if Trump loses, right, um, they're free of him. <laughs> you know, like, they don't have to. So in theory, you
2: right, know, they right. could just
1: be like, well, you know, they could revert back to a pre-Trump and call it a day. We're done. But I'm not confident that they do that. Um, so that's what I ask.
0: So there's a little sliver of me. There's a little sliver of me that's optimistic they may do that. And because I, I think that, again, like with the Supreme Court pig. They're willing to ram through this pick quite literally, even if it costs them their jobs, because they see a Supreme Court pick getting a sixth conservative on the Supreme Court as worth losing their jobs and potentially an election. So I feel like they would be OK with sacrificing, at least I feel like probably the Senate, the Republican Senate, the majority of them. And and it would really come down to how much whipping they can do down in the House. Republican Senate, I feel like would be okay with detaching from him because then it would mean that we are finally fucking done with him. Like, you know, let him go. Like, we'll 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 sacrifice you know twenty twenty election and we'll come back strong in
2: twenty twenty four. (laughs) Yeah, or Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Right. I've been pretty pessimistic because I I do view Trump as the symptom. Uh, or I'm sorry, I view Trump as the as the symptom and not not the cause. Um, I think that the fascist trends within the party were long ongoing and allowed him to rise up, and within the American population. Um, but I think you might be right, Garrison. I don't know, and Jordan. I just I, I am becoming a little more optimistic that if it's a bad loss, um, these people are going to be so selfish about their own power that they will, they'll cut ties with Trump. That, it's sad that that's what we have right. to hope for: is that Republicans are greedy enough for power that they cut Trump. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I guess we also have to question right. if, okay, again, I, I think it does come down to how close the election is, but essentially, if let's say Trump loses by a good margin and then he wants to challenge everything, if the Republicans also challenge, then that means they are challenging their win, like with their wins. I mean, invariably, there. I mean, there obviously are some contentious Senate races and contentious House oh, races, point, valid, but there valid, are also yeah. well, you know races that we know Republicans are going to win, so there will be like you know a, yeah, a, Mitch McConnell, about a lindsey graham if they side with trump well then they're also questioning their own elections like their own and
0: yeah a ballot yeah, doesn't so just then, come with one question
1: how does that play it, it's just i don't know i don't i'm not confident in the i've lost all faith in the republican yeah. party so i think we'll see like some people we'll see romney's and Whatever, Makowski, and we'll see people that are you know, just like, oh, you know, I, lo-, you know, like I lost or I won, or we should accept the results. But I still think we see people that have permanently sold their souls, I agree. and we'll hold on to that till till the very end. <laughs>